Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers and Brent. Happy to be here. Happy to have you here. Yes, extremely happy to have you here. Welcome to the the studios. Uh, It's clean. We've cleaned up since our last guest. We've had some previous guests on the show that have left the studios in some disrepair. We also burned it down by accident. So uh, not 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 the entire like those. It was like a microwave fire, not like a serious yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah. You say burned it down like the entire building's been destroyed. <laughs> anyway, thank you. <laughs> yes, welcome to uh, welcome to our um, our our Brent episode, and um, or as he's known as Goobertown Hobbies. Yeah, that's me. So I am uh, otherwise known as a, a YouTuber who paints mini figurines for, for D&D and Warhammer and those kinds of things. But I also do play video games, and so I, I think we can have a good chat here. We we primarily reached out to have you on our show for your, your dulcet... Trying to say dulcet tones? Dulcet, there we go. I can't pronounce things today. I, I told Zach when he's like, who's this guy? I was like, he's the Bob Ross of miniature painting. That is the... <laughs> Comment I get on my YouTube videos more than any other, I would say. <laughs> Which is, hey, if you're going to be known for something, that's that's it's fine. Great. That's fine. I once got the uh, the white Morgan Freeman of miniature painting, and then kind of in between and popular, every once in a while I get the the Mr. Rogers of mini painting. But yeah, I try to run a, a chill YouTube channel. I, I paint figurines for fantasy and sci-fi. And when I'm not doing that, I, I play video games. So I think we've I think we've got some stuff in common here. We can get along. Before we get into the show itself, as Brent mentioned, he does have his YouTube channel, Goobertown Hobbies. Uh, you're also involved in a couple of other podcasts. Yes, I am. I am. So I'm part of a, a couple that I do regularly and not just guesting. But I have Paint Bravely, the podcast I do with another guy, which is about painting miniatures. And every couple of weeks we get together and ramble about painting. And then I am also a member of the latest season of the 20 Sided Realms, which is a D&D real play podcast. Very cool. Four players, a DM. The DM is especially talented. A couple of the players are very talented. I'm kind of the weak link, but I'm, I'm there for marketing, and I, I try to hold my own as best I can, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. What are you playing? So I am a sorcerer. Ooh, fun. Uh, just about to level up to, to level two, but my backstory is that I'm a, a teenage schoolboy, kind of a, a trickster, a prankster, on a bit of a school break right now because somebody burned down the school, and so skipped town for a little while while they're investigating what kind of uh, wildfire sorcery might have have lit up the school and gotten a little little bit out of control. So Chaz is is hanging out in Waterdeep and making new friends while they uh, rebuild the school. So we'll we'll see how that turns out for him. Wonderful, awesome. That's the twenty sided realms. Twenty sided realms. Tell your friends. Uh, and all of the places you can find Brent will be in our uh, show notes, so you guys can seek it out. And we recommend giving him a follow and a like and a subscribe and a bell and all those YouTube and podcast things that you can do. 
Nice. You said you've played video games. So what have you been playing recently, Brent? Most recently, it's it's been Warhammer 2 Total War. So I know you had me on here to talk about the Total War series. And in the in the show notes here, I wrote down like the games I'm most likely to play in the lead up to this episode. <laughs> you know, this year, I've certainly played a lot of XCOM Enemy Unknown. I played Minecraft, played some Diablo 2 Remastered, and played a little bit of the old Close Combat, the, the World War 2 game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But in terms of what did I play this week, I played like a solid day of dwarfs in Warhammer Total War 2. So we'll get into Total War. I have some I have some interesting feelings about Total War as we'll we'll cover in this podcast. All right. You'll find out that I'm just a very bad Total War player. <laughs> I do love XCOM. Have you played from the original XCOM? No, no. I I did go back and listen to your your episode on the XCOM series, and the I mean, the original XCOM game sounds really brutal. And I'm I'm like vaguely aware of some of the game features that they added to make the missions a little less tedious. Like there's um you know once once you're like exploring the map and trying to figure out where the last two aliens are or whatever. In the recent games, they added a little sound effect. It pings you. They're like okay. They're on the left side of the the fog of war. You need to go. You need to go left to wipe out the last two aliens. But from what I've heard in in the original games, similarly very high difficulty level. Oh yeah. And then there's just little like quality of life features that aren't there. Like you're just exploring the wrong areas of the map, yeah. like sneaking around, afraid they're gonna pop out of nowhere and and uh, permanently wipe out your squad. Yeah. And, uh, Spent a lot, a lot of time, the Marines will be just freaking out because the aliens are around, and when they freak out, they shoot other Marines, and it's just, yeah, it's just disaster zone pretty much from the get-go. They kept that in the recent yeah. games, and there are, there are some very frustrating things that they did keep in the recent games, but that's... For me, that's just the right level of of difficulty. The <laughs> just the right amount of anger that I can feel at the the aliens to get me to keep playing and get really happy when I do. Just just waste them. So, uh, Zach, what have you been uh, recently been playing? Recently, I've been getting into games that I would have played as a child if I did own them, but I didn't play. So, um, primarily, these are like licensed games that score really badly but I definitely would have owned it if I was a child and knew it existed. Um, So the game in particular I've been playing is Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events for the PC, which was released in 2004 and is a tie-in game with the movie that came out of the same name based on the books of the same name. Uh, This game was developed by No Wonder, who also worked on the Harry Potter games for the PC, um, though it was distributed by Activision, not EA. I did actually play a Lemony Snicket game for the GameCube as a kid, but I never knew there was a PC game. It's entirely different because it's a whole different company doing it. It actually plays a lot like the Harry Potter games. It has the vocal talents of Jim Carrey, Emily Browning, and Liam Aiken reprising their roles from the movie as Count Olaf, Violet Baudelaire, and Klaus Baudelaire, respectively. And Tim Curry, Gabriel Knight is in it as the narrator. Uh, so we have uh, Tim Curry doing the voice of Lemony Snicket. It's a bad game. <laughs> I'm like mostly through it already. I probably put it in an hour so far. It, it's just kind of like beat to beat of what happens in the movie, but you just have stupid puzzles you have to solve. So you have to figure out where like things are 
hidden in this room and they're hidden obviously behind paintings or behind the door that is locked so it's um you know your average fare for what most likely the demographic would be playing it it's kind of interesting to kind of revisit these games that i definitely know for a fact i would have played the crap out of this game as a kid i probably would have replayed it like a hundred times but kind of seeing this now from a perspective of like it's probably good that i did pass on this because it's not very good but uh it's the game i've been playing did they reuse the um the basilisk because there's 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 snake there's a snake i haven't gotten to that point yet but um i'm actually in that section right now so i'm about like halfway through the game because i'm in the reptile room section it'd be funny if they just like scaled down the basilisk from harry potter (laughs) for the for the snake inserted it into the game um they definitely reuse sound effects like i'm catching like every now and then i'm like oh that's from that's from the harry potter game oh that's from the harry potter game so i think they just kept like one folder of sound like a sound library and they're just like ah that's good for a rat sound we'll use the imp from harry potter you know (laughs) dobby Uh, squealing Dobby sounds we'll use that for something so recently i've been playing oh yes seth please tell thank you norman's night in which is a a fun puzzle game that i saw at pax i want to say in 2020 or 2019 well i guess maybe it was the 2019 because it came out in october 23rd of 2019 and it is a uh, puzzle game where you're an older man who likes bowling and there gets a bowling ball and then goes into this world where he is then propelled by the bowling ball to places so you can choose the color of bowling ball either red blue or green and it becomes like a a mystical orb that you hold and then you can use your mouse and you can drag the ball towards the edge of the screen and then you can fling the ball at the guy and he flies through the game he can't move beyond that mechanism so you have to use the series of flinging physics of the ball hitting him and you have to kind of use that and maneuver it around so that you can kind of get him up onto things that he like higher levels or get him past like falling objects in the in the background can interact interact with you it's fun it's a it's a nice puzzler game i really wanted it to come out on the cell phone because it looks like a really fun game to play mobily but um it, it never did but it was on sale because steam had their autumn sale and it was one of the games that i picked up during their autumn sale oh, we're getting real close to the steam winter sale that's the thing about the steam autumn sale and the winter sale they're real close together yeah so yeah so i've been playing uh the norman's night in it's a it's a fun night in as it were so as we've mentioned at the time top of the show this is uh, primarily about total war which is a, a war strategy game. We brought Brent on to, uh, since uh, he is an accomplished war gamer and a painter of wargaming figures. <laughs> we could at least say you're an accomplished painter of wargaming figures, at least, right? So we thought that you could talk about Total War. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd love to. So, you know, I go back to some games over and over and over, you know, some series over and over. And the Total War series is one that uh, it might be the highest on my list of like total time played. No, I mean, if, if, if we're just going total time played, I'm, I'm sure it's still World of Warcraft. But but if we exclude that monstrosity, total time played in my life goes to the Total War series. It, it kind of has two components in each game. There's the big campaign map, 
which is you know kind of like Civilization uh, or any of the other 4X games where you start as like a, a city or a province and then you send out your your scouts and your armies and you conquer your neighbors and you expand and you expand and you expand. But the the big difference between Civilization and the Total War series is that every time armies meet in this game, it switches to not exactly a mini game, but it's like the second component of the game of you zoom into that battle and then you're the the general in that battle. And all of the units that you've taken the time to to recruit and train up and, and equip and everything, you get to fight with those units against whatever you allowed your enemies to bring to that fight. You know, the, the game sets it up that each army can have 20 units and a unit might be 100 swordsmen or spearsmen or archers or, you know, 40 or 50 cavalry or a unit might be you know, a couple of trebuchets or ballista or something like that. So part of the game is figuring out how to how to make an army of 20 units or less that can kind of compete with a lot of what you might find uh, an enemy bring into the field. And then, yeah, it's a, it's a tactical game from there on out of trying to win that battle. And then as a bonus, if you can win it without losing too many of your, your men, that'd be great because then you'll still have whatever's left over available for you on the strategy map after you win that battle. And if you don't win that battle, you save scum until you do win that battle. (laughs) I know I own Total War games, and I'm like, I'm I'm pretty sure I own two, at least two, because I I got the Warhammer one, because I like Warhammer, and I'm pretty sure I played a Rome one. I actually own like seven, I guess. There you go. I have zero game time in a lot of them, and this is because I'm very bad at Total War. So I definitely have had moments where I've been like, I'm going to play Total War. Like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start playing. I do the the first part where you're like building up your units and you're you're zoomed out and you're like deciding where you want to go and then I get to the battling part and that's past the tutorial is kind of where my skill kind of falls apart and I just lose a lot do you need to have a specific way that your brain is wired to approach these games or is it your strategy mindset like how is where do you think that comes that's a from? good that's a good question I think there I mean there's obviously a little bit of a learning curve there going from you know the the wrong setting to medieval to warhammer like a lot of them have the same basic tactics of you probably want you know a line of troops to to hold the line and then some archers behind them maybe some cavalry on the flanks and uh, i'm actually wondering if you just started on the wrong total war because empire is the one total war game that's mostly gunpowder so empire and napoleon pretty much all the others are we'll call them like iron age kind of kind of combat of swords and shields and spears and bows and horsemen whereas napoleon has a lot of cannon fire and grape shot and uh i'm just imagining you like walking into a just a field of grape shot and then all your guys running away i don't know you know i can't say that's what happened in your past but i'm wondering if maybe that's just what completely turned you off the entire series i'm sure (laughs) I'm sure it probably happened at one point in time. I don't think I'm, I'm I don't I wouldn't say that I'm turned off. I I I possess a, a lot of games and I tend to have these like spurts where I play like one game a lot for a little bit 
and then I, I go to another game. Time is very finite. I feel like you have to really like Total War to play a lot. Like, because it does feel like a game to me that needs some level of time commitment. I know that my own Steam library is definitely way less than half of my games have any playtime at all. So I think, you know, we've got a lot of commonality there. There's definitely a learning curve on every game. And so you do gravitate a lot of times to the ones you know something about. And I think that may be part of the reason why I keep coming back to this series is because each game in the series does have enough of the the DNA from the previous games that you can get into it pretty quick. I mean, there's there's tons of differences and, you know, little tweaks on the campaign maps. I mean, first off, it's a different campaign map every time, whether you're in the Mediterranean or the, you know, the Japanese islands or, or wherever. But also there's just, you know, different elements to the, the tech trees and all that stuff. Like, there's a ton of differences, but at the same time, it's that same basic format of you play a game of civilization but when the armies meet you have a fight and yeah there's there's that little bit of uh, knowledge that you build up over time about the basics of how those fights work and whether you should be charging this unit or not or whether that makes any sense at all or is likely to succeed based on your past experience i i don't i don't personally for me i've I've often found more games i don't know why but i found them to be kind of daunting i think just from like screenshots and stuff like that whenever i see them it's just weird because i i have always been into real-time strategy games so I was, i'm really into age of empires really into warcraft starcraft but i've always found total war or warhammer and stuff to be like somewhat more complex for some reason it, what do you think a good place for someone like me to to start into the series would be if i really wanted to play like total war or something like that i think the best advice is just go with the you know time period that interests you the most so my my history with the series is i happened to start around the time that rome total war was out the first rome total war uh which is i think around the time that the series started getting really really popular that's one of the best games in the series and then after rome they had medieval 2 total war which is also very good and then uh empire because it was like all line infantry of you know the <laughs> the redcoat standing and shooting at the the frenchman was interesting twist on on the formula but it was kind of the same but different uh, empire was empire's a little bit of an outlier fun in its own way empire is also very confusing because you were also sending ships out to the east indies and out to the west indies and you know you were sending you were trying to create an empire across the entire world and so rome and medieval those games the campaign map was centered around the mediterranean right it was it was europe plus a little bit of africa plus a little bit of the middle east but then empire total war was that but you could also go to the americas and start trouble or you could go to india and start trouble or you know you could set up trading ships in several other places so you know yeah come to think of it if uh empire in some ways is a very bad place to try to <laughs> to try to enter the series because that there's definitely some extra complexity right. there so i won't start um, at empire then <laughs> i'll pick somewhere else <laughs> hey, guess what? that's where i started so rome one had a remaster i think this year and i did spend a solid weekend playing it and yeah it was great to expand things out from the 800 by 600 pixels or whatever it had been before to uh my nice computer <laughs> screen yeah no that was great that was have to break out the crt to play it <laughs> right <laughs> so there's empire total war and the napoleon total war then they came out 09 and 2010 and 
like you said, they were both involving muskets, but they were in the traditional style of fighting with that type of technology. So it was very much like it's a line in order. It's prior to essentially the Americans fighting dirty. It's really just like we're going to storm out and then you're going to storm out and you're gonna, we're just going to shoot at each other, right? So in some ways it worked. So for most of the games, yeah, the way the combat works is a unit of fighters is a, a block of infantry or a block of bowmen. It's a, it's a rectangle. And so in some ways that actually worked pretty well with the musketry of lining up in uh, maybe like longer, thinner blocks of infantry. But like, yeah, you're, you're still lining up and, and positioning units on the battlefield like that. And so in some ways that works out pretty well, but it just turned from more of a melee focused game to more of a ranged game. And then if you or your opponents has your your cannons positioned just right, the, the way that grape shot or canister shot or whatever works, it just one, it can be a lot of fun, but two, it can be very discouraging. Empire's a is a fun game, but maybe maybe not start there. You know, I, I've heard a lot of people actually recommend that new players to the Total War series start with Shogun 2. Okay. So that is a game set in Japan. Uh and and so in some ways it's a smaller campaign map and it's all kind of like samurai and and that oh, era okay. of of combat and so the clan on the southern tip of the of one island actually has a pretty similar unit roster to a clan from the other side of the island chain and so kind of a smaller map a smaller technology tree and so if you're into samurai that shogun 2 total war is a is a good place to start but yeah i like i said i i got started with rome i love that game too bad rome 2 was not a, a very good entry in the total war <laughs> series we can i don't know if anyone here has the the same bitterness uh, that i do towards that game <laughs> What is the bitterness? What is the root of the bitterness towards Rome, Total War? So the first Rome game was amazing. It was like a the perfect version of the Total War series. You know, talking about diversity in the unit roster, that's another cool thing about the Roman setting is that you have the Roman legions versus the barbarians in Gaul versus you got the the horsemen tribes way out to the east. You've got phalanxes in, in Greece. And they had You've elephants got, in it? Yeah, you could Carthage had elephants. And so, I mean, it's a great setting for this type of game because you can be growing up your Roman legions and they're just slaughtering barbarians. And then all of a sudden there's, you go against Carthage and there's a shield wall and then coming in from the side are just 12 very angry elephants that start out in control of the enemy and then just completely lose control and just start wandering around the battle map. And, uh, you know, from a, from a video game a little bit more arcadey while still actually making sense in the historical context it's that's yeah, a it's a great setting rome one was great and side issue like artistically who knows what colors roman legions actually wore but in the game you played as red romans or blue romans or green romans so those were like the starting factions they're you know three different roman families and they just kind of uh, did some hand waving there to decide who the three roman families were it looked beautiful the background art for your beautiful red armies marching across the landscape was very unobtrusive so the the text 
textures and stuff from 2004 or whenever that game was made. The hills and the grass is very unobtrusive and the, you know, the red legions marching across look beautiful or, or green or blue or whatever you were playing. But then when they went to Rome 2, so I'll start with the artistic complaint first. The artistic complaint is when they went to Rome 2, they did two things. One, it was nine or ten years in the future so this came out 2013 so their background detail was much better the the, the shading and the textures for the, the grass and the hillsides and the cityscapes and the cobbled roads was much better and much more realistic so it kind of pulled more focus uh, on your higher resolution computer monitors you got the 1080ps now uh, and then with the actual legions, they're like, you know, uh, you know, historically, all these people, they're just soldiers bringing what they have to the to the battlefield or what they're what their patrons can equip them with they're they're wearing browns they're wearing tans they got like some leathers and some dirty cotton shirts or you know whatever they're wearing some wools <laughs> so yeah so your army's got uglier the terrain got more detailed your army just looked ugly it was just these ugly armies marching towards each other and then the added to that rome 2 came out with some some serious glitches and and flaws and so it was like your glitchy ugly armies were were wandering towards each other and not behaving right and uh, Rome 2 was just very well hyped up because people loved the the first Rome game so much and it did not deliver and supposedly they fixed the glitches since then but I'll never install Rome 2 Total War again <laughs> someday they'll come out with a 3 but you know, it's interesting I was doing a little research prior to the episode and they've all been done by Creative Assembly as the developer which is an, a subsidiary of Sega as of 2005. And Creative Assembly has been around for quite some time. They were founded in 1987. Prior to doing Total War, they primarily made sports games for EA, including uh, rugby, Australian football. They primarily did, from what my research showed, I would call foreign sports games. So, like, they were a British developer, so I guess they just stayed in their, like, wheelhouse. But it was, like, cricket, rugby, Australian football. <laughs> it's just, like, all these different titles, and they made enough money to allow them to take the big bet and make the sh originally total war shogun and then or shogun total war um as evident by the amount of sequels it was popular <laughs> to, to some degree you just you just made a an interesting little little verbal tick there uh the total war shogun versus shogun total war so they started out with the the setting first oh yeah and then total war oh, at the yeah. end yeah and then like halfway through the series they're like we're we're gonna be making a lot of these aren't they <laughs> and so they they rebranded to put total war at the beginning uh uh, and then yeah, looking at the list here, yeah, it went from Napoleon colon Total War to Total War colon Shogun 2. Made that switch over in 2011, I guess. Yeah, It's still a little awkward, but they've, they've decided to start putting Total War at the beginning now. And yeah, at this point, I'm looking at the list. There's like 10 of these games out now. Then they have like expansions, too. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So it's not only just yeah, like, it's, it's like nested. You have like all these other games that roll up underneath the one game. I think most of the expansions actually do work as standalone games. But yeah, some of them, they try to market as standalone games that are clearly just coming out a year after the original game and like the, you know, the same game engine and everything. But yeah, so, you know, Rome Total War had Barbarian Invasion as the first expansion, which was kind of late Roman Empire when it was starting to split apart. It also 
also had Alexander, which uh, I guess would have made a fair bit earlier with Alexander starting to go east with his army. But uh, later on, you know, they they marketed Napoleon Total War as its own game. I mean, it was very clearly based off of the Empire Total War game engine and everything. I bought it. I'm a fan of Napoleon, so I, I pretty much any any <laughs> video game that's about Napoleon I own. The one nice thing about Empire Total War is that it does have naval battles. They don't all have naval battles, but maybe like a third or a half of these games do have naval battles as part of their thing. So in addition to building up armies, you can also build up fleets. For some of the games, when the fleets meet, they just do the same thing that most of the other 4X games do of just like auto-resolving. Who brought the most high-cost units to this battle? Okay, roll a dice. We'll say this one won by this much. But a few of the games actually zoom in and in, you know, a completely different setup, you have a naval battle. And Empire was one of the ones that did that. And yeah, you bring your third rate ship of the line. It's still set up so that you can bring 20 units. So it got pretty messy. You can bring, yeah, 20 third rate ships of the line uh, up against their, you know, India men and, and their brigs and their first rates and everything. And it actually, it was pretty messy and it didn't work well. But I do enjoy games that try to portray you know, Age of Sail, gunpowder-based naval combat, and it worked okay. I mean, you know, they had the, the wind is coming in from this direction, and so you sail better if you're, you know, not sailing into the wind, and you can use round shot or chain shot or grape shot, and so... um it was a good attempt at that kind of game. So, you know, the Total War, I think all of the games have 20 units as the size of an army that you could walk around the campaign map. And for the land-based battles, it's actually a really good size. It, it makes sense. You get, you know, 10, 10 frontline troops of... of sword and shield standing out front and you get you don't know four or five units of bows behind you got your generals unit a couple of cavalry maybe a trebuchet and it's like the the perfect balance and and uh, a lot of fun to play at that scale and every once in a while you'll have two armies go out and so then you'll play with you know 40 units on your side but when it gets to naval combat and you're like the goal is to kind of get each ship positioned against each enemy ship at a you know advantageous angle and everything that you shouldn't be trying to manage more than two or three ships against two or three enemy ships. Like, you know, I understand that Trafalgar was pretty much 20 versus 20, but actually as as one human player trying to get everything to line up right, it's just like you get two of your ships lined up right doing pretty well against the enemy, and then you look over and the rest of your fleet's just sinking. <laughs> <laughs> you need, like, captains <laughs> to, like, manage your, your yeah, ships. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would be the time for... Uh, multiplayer and so that's a whole other topic I actually don't have a lot of experience with the Total War games but like you can play Total War games multiplayer where you like wait for other people to take their turn or you can just do it like let's play a battle let's you and me let's play a quick battle you you can do that kind of without the campaign but no that would be that'd be a lot of fun for cooperative play a Total War game where like you each get a couple of ships or each get one ship that would that'd be a lot of fun you brought up like real-time strategy games earlier and yeah. in some ways i find those harder because that's one of those things where you're you're supposed to be focusing on mining enough gold or minerals or vespian gas <laughs> and the the micro of you know attacking the enemy's base i find that really hard because it, it splits the attention and i don't have the actions per minute on my my mouse speed to be able to to be efficient yeah. at that but that's that's something i actually really like about the way that total war does the battles is that okay your armies meet on the campaign map 
map for the next 10 minutes you're not worried about the economy at all you know you can't recruit new units during the battle you just have to use the units that are already there it's a it's no resource management just you have this many swordsmen and, and this many bowmen and yeah try yeah, to win yeah. the battle now so for me it's kind of like the opposite when i'm playing like starcraft for example i'm like going down a specific tree and that's what i'm going to make so i'm going to be like i'm going to start the game i'm going to be like i'm going to make as many battle cruisers as i can like from the get-go that's my decision and then i dedicate Correct. yep i have like a defensive strategy i get enough resources and then i just start churning out battle cruisers like that's like how i play and it could be a different unit but i generally try to do that but then i come over to the total war series and i try that strategy again and let me tell you 20 units of elephants doesn't work the same way <laughs> as having um a diverse group of units and understanding how units interact with each other because i definitely right. played one of the roams where i had like just oops all elephants as like my my force and it was bad i think i won some <laughs> contests mostly because it was just like a disaster zone because it's just like oh you have to have 20 units of elephants each unit of elephants there's x number of elephants per units there's like you know could be close to 100 elephants like just swarming this map <laughs> and uh yeah i i would lose there'd be like you're just just chaos i feel like we spent a lot of time talking about the total war category that people don't want us to talk about especially with you on the podcast it's time it's time isn't it so total war got a license and that license was warhammer and yes. they have produced not only total war warhammer but they have also now made total war warhammer 2 and there's going to be a total warhammer 3 is coming soon i think it, i think 3 is like early 2022 so for those who are new to warhammer there's warhammer 40k and then there's warhammer which is now called warhammer age of sigmar yeah so in, in some ways there's three so warhammer fantasy is fantasy setting you got your totally not tolkien dwarves and elves and totally you know not. all that stuff and then they do you know start borrowing from other places you got your lizard mans and your your dark elves and a bunch of factions kind of like that orcs totally not tolkien orcs and yeah so it's it's fantasy kind of iron age kind of you know mixed in some magic the dwarves have gunpowder one of the human factions has a little bit of gunpowder and it's like gothic iron age isn't it it's like a little like the unit stylization especially like the older miniatures were very kind of like gothic i think it depended on the faction but yeah it's uh warhammer fantasy is a miniature based tabletop war game and the way it works is you you and some friends decide who is collecting and playing each faction so if billy's gonna be dwarfs that means somebody's gotta be elves and maybe i'll play the human faction the empire faction each of those factions belongs to this fantasy world and the map for warhammer fantasy looks kind of like a, a messed up version of the actual world so there's there's sort of north america central america south america sort of africa in there but they put their various fantasy races uh, around the old world they called it and um, you mentioned Age of Sigmar so in the 2013-2014 Warhammer Fantasy was selling very poorly and Games Workshop which is the company that makes it made a, an executive decision to just say that Chaos won the war that Chaos demons screaming in from the netherworld uh, they destroyed the world they won and so that was their excuse to do a reboot and so the kind of more fantasy magic old-timey setting of Warhammer is now called Age of Sigmar, so I'm not even sure what the whole uh, lore is, but yeah, Warhammer Fantasy got
got destroyed. The tabletop game of Warhammer Fantasy is no more. They wrote a new rulebook for Age of Sigmar. Um, and one of the big things they did is they went from square bases for this tabletop game so to round bases. So it used to be very much like rectangles of troops going up against rectangles of other troops. Yeah. Yeah. And then you roll the dice to, to see who who wins when they when they meet up on the table. But they went to a game that's more, call it like skirmish style. So it's loose clusters of five or ten miniatures on round bases meeting up against other units of similar style. Like, is it more of like a zoomed in version of like a Warhammer game? Would you say that like classic was a little bit pulled back more? You'd have like more troops on the field and you'd group them up? I think that may be the case. There did seem to be the artistic decision to go with bigger, more flashier models, right. uh, which mostly means fewer of them. But yeah, so so when I got started in Warhammer, and, and you mentioned the other type, which is 40K. Warhammer 40,000 set in the year 40,000, Grimdark Future, and... Uh, None of that applies to the the Total War series I right now. It should. <laughs> <laughs> someday, maybe someday. So yeah, there there is a far future sci-fi version of Warhammer, which is Warhammer 40k. And then in the fantasy setting, there's Warhammer Fantasy, which they just nuked the tabletop game. Just said Chaos One. There is no more Warhammer Fantasy. They pulled all that stuff off the shelves. They reboxed some of it with round bases instead of square bases. And they started selling. Uh, Warhammer Age of Sigmar. What's interesting is that Total War, Creative Assembly, Total War got the license to Warhammer, and even after Warhammer Age of Sigmar was what was being sold, sold for the tabletop, they made a game, Warhammer Fantasy, of the set in the old world with all the factions from pre-2013-14. So yeah, one of the things that uh, the tabletop game did was in their kind of complete rebuild, rebrand, they took the factions that they couldn't copyright as easily. Uh, so they took Bretonia, was a faction of French chivalry, and they said, we cannot copyright knights. So they just, just abandoned that faction entirely and uh, made up the, the Sigmarites, uh, you know, a race of godly reincarnated spirits it's inside giant golden armor. Not that that's a one-to-one -one replacement, but they're kind of going through. And, you know, for for their dwarf faction, they had a faction that was very much love to hang out in mine and make runes kind of dwarfs. And very, very Tolkien, very recognizable as D&D &D or Tolkien dwarfs. In their rebrand, they're like, okay, one of the units we had from before was dwarf slayers, which are essentially naked dwarfs who dye their hair orange and go around with giant axes trying to kill trolls yeah we can try to we can try to it's now a race of them <laughs> trademark that yeah <laughs> and so and so they just got rid of the dwarves that are you know heavy armor with their their hammers and their grudges and so age of sigmar on the tabletop is newer ip trying to get farther away from kind of the tolkien inspiration but in the video game the you know Creative Assembly got Warhammer Fantasy video games. So in the old world, they've got their dwarves in their heavy armor. They've got their Bretonian knights riding around the battlefield. And so I'll, I'll say it right now. Uh, <laughs> the, the mix of Total War and Warhammer, I think, is an amazing combination. Uh, it, it goes together perfectly. So... Uh, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, me and my friends, we did pick, you know, uh, you're going to be dwarfs, 
you're going to be elves. I'm going to, I was orcs. Orcs was my, was my faction. And yeah, we, we'd paint up all these minis. And back then it was square bases. So you're putting rectangles of troops onto the tabletop and you use a ruler to, to move them towards each other. It's a turn-based game when, you know, one unit's shooting at another with their little bows and arrows or rock lavas, or when two units actually meet up, then you start rolling piles of dice to determine who lives and who dies. And, and those games took hours and hours and hours. <laughs> so I, I come at all this, I, I really do like painting miniatures, and I, and I love that part of things, but I actually don't enjoy the tabletop game very much. It's like, it's, it's the framework and the excuse to collect and paint miniatures and some of my friends do enjoy it and so it's an excuse to hang out with them but I don't find any of the rules very interesting I don't find the the process of standing around for you know six hours to resolve four turns of you know units moving towards each other I don't find it as fun as other people do, but I am part of that hobby because I like like the painting sides of things. But if you just have a computer do all of the rules, the action of two armies running towards each other and, you know, chopping at each other and shooting arrows and all of that stuff can be done by the computer in five minutes. You can resolve a battle in five minutes. And so you get all of the spectacle of, you know, all of these really interesting, unique units you know there's still the there's still the naked dwarves with their orange hair they're still running around next to the thunderers and everything and so there's there's the spectacle there but all of the rolling of dice that's all done by the computer and of course there's other like rules resolution issues that i prefer to be done by the computer too uh, anytime you're playing on the tabletop you're measuring with a ruler and so you get arguments about whether this unit is able to charge this unit oh, well right, this unit yeah, can charge yeah. eight inches and this is eight inches you liar that's eight and a half inches right. that's eight and a quarter yeah. inches you can't well maybe that guy can but this guy's well that guy's what this guy on the other edge of the the rectangle he's he's 10 inches away you don't don't tell me that he's going to be in base to base con or there's a bush here you know there's a bush here that bush is blocking line of sight no it's not i can see his elbow clearly from here if i take a laser pointer from this guy's bow <laughs> i can definitely see the elbow on that guy isn't that the joy of wargaming though <laughs> I, mean, I mean that's that's what wargaming is some people like it more than others uh and some people have the social skills to deal with those interactions better than other people i don't have those skills like i'm i'm i try to get along with people and so when it comes down to is that eight inches or slightly more than eight inches or slightly less than eight inches i can't handle that i can't handle res resolving that uh, uh resolving that kind of social conflict like if if the game is determined based on who backs down the soonest about uh, about a measurement or a line of sight issue, like it, it, I like it when the computer tells me whether that arrow hit or not, or the computer tells me you know this unit of eighty goblins is shooting at this unit of of trolls, and uh, this is did a troll fall down or not? I I like the computer doing all that stuff for me. That's uh, that's nice. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brent, but the games probably also offer kind of a an accessibility that's not always there with the, the yes. tabletop where not to beat around the bush, but Warhammer can be an expensive hobby. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it might be, it might be in someone's budget to maybe buy a $60 
PC game versus putting down a couple hundreds and hundreds into a into a, a war mm-hmm. game over over years. You've probably seen the interest in war gaming expand, but just uh, kind of because of that accessibility. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge monetary and time investment to get started with you know tabletop games, especially the like full sized war games. The the number of models that you need to buy, put together, spray paint paint uh that's a lot of time and money from some points of views that makes it you know this this hobby that you can dive into and get really into and really make it your your main hobby right, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a little bit of time because i like computer gaming for a little bit of time my hobby was building a pc and so you spend all your time researching on you know graphics cards and, and processors and everything and you you know, searching new egg and finding the deals and and finding the the optimum builds and reading the Reddit posts and then you you know then you you buy your parts and you build your PC and then that hobby it's over. <laughs> it's it's kind of yeah. And then you and then you build like a lesser version for your TV computer and then it's over. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then you know four years down the line you buy a new graphics card or whatever. But that's that's a hobby that uh, has a very definite endpoint. And so there's something to be said for a hobby that you just just goes on and on and on and you will never finish painting this army but it's uh it's good to have goals i think that's pretty interesting though that the wargaming hobby brought you to the essentially the like the sub hobby of painting miniatures if there was no games to have miniatures for you wouldn't really paint miniatures right that's that's probably true so now the hobby of miniature painting is its own thing and there are plenty of miniatures that are sold just as display pieces and then in addition there's a whole lot more types of games that you can use minis for so there's you know the the big war games like warhammer or kings of war or you know something like that uh bolt action but there's also a lot of smaller skirmish games and so if you're at all interested in miniature war gaming miniature games tabletop games find find a local store and ask about skirmish games because those are games where you can get like five miniatures and play some games with that that might be a a better on-ramp than trying to start a a massive army for for warhammer but yeah my story was i had friends back in in middle school who said we're we're doing this i I can't remember who even started (laughs) we're doing this and so all right i guess if we're doing this we're doing this and um and yeah throughout that process of trying to play games uh ended up getting into painting and so that's uh for me painting is my hobby and then you know these games are kind of the excuse and and the framework to to paint but the setting of these games it turns out is perfect for for a total war game because there are these unique distinct factions of you know these different fantasy races and they each have their different tech trees and their you know distinct units and one faction has a rock lava one is lobbing actual live goblins at the enemy you know one is shooting cannons one is ballista yeah yeah what race is your uh your chosen are you still an orc guy i've played some orcs i've played some orcs so i've actually played most of them in the total war 
uh, Warhammer games. This week I was playing some dwarfs, and so dwarfs are very slow, they're stumpy, they've got good armor, but they're supposed to sit back, and it's in some ways they're a little bit boring, but you gotta get enough dwarf warriors to, to hold the line while you get as many crossbow dwarfs, the quarrelers in the in the back lines to, to really take out the enemy. A couple of, couple of grudge throwers to, to lob those rocks long distances. Uh, dwarfs also have gunpowder, so you can use uh, the Thunderers, which are like the rifle dwarfs or the cannons, but those are there's there's a little bit of a, a glitchiness in in whether or not you can get line of sight on some of the more direct fire like rifles and stuff, whereas the arrows curve up and over front lines. So a little more glitchiness on the on some of the units, and so some of the games do have <laughs> do have like bugs that can be exploited uh, to to make sure that you win various battles, and uh, that's that's a little bit of the the learning curve on these games too is like knowing that if you just sit back and shoot at the enemies on the walls they're just going to stand <laughs> on the walls and take the fire so the, the way to storm the castle is to use up all of your ammunition while the enemies just stand in there doing nothing on the walls you know there's there's little uh, little exploits like that but i think that's part of every game and how the classic game normally they're fun or, or yeah or you can make them be fun do you have a, a favorite warhammer fantasy race yeah i mean in in the game the the lizard men are a lot of fun these are the essentially dinosaurs uh some of them are you know humanoid dinosaurs and some of them are just straight up that's a tyrannosaurus rex that a humanoid dinosaur is riding so yeah there's a lot of dinosaurs riding dinosaurs uh that's the gimmick for that race but yeah you were talking about trying to build an army that's all elephants uh this is a situation where you can build an army that is all t-rexes go up against an army of 3,000 rat folk or whatever with your 20 t-rexes maybe some of your t-rexes have riders some of your t-rexes don't have riders but uh yeah <laughs> so yeah the the really fun thing about the Warhammer version of Total War is that there are these crazy units that uh, Rome didn't have and uh, the samurai didn't have. Uh, yeah, they, they, they didn't have Tyrannosaurus Rexes. They didn't have uh, gyrocopters and, and all that stuff. They didn't have the pterodactyls that drop firebombs on people. And it's kind of amazing that that all does work in the, the Total War uh, game engine um, so part of it's the same it's it is the rectangles of troops going up against each other and that all works just the same as it ever did and so it's that that's actually a very faithful adaptation of the the tabletop warhammer fantasy to the the total war game um, but yeah then there's the <laughs> the giant tyrannosaurus rex that will just run into a block of you know 160 skaven of, of 160 rat men and just the the animation's actually pretty great of just the Tyrannosaurus Rex chomping him in half and chucking him all over the place and the you know the nice neat uh, block of Ratman just gets scattered all over the place and some of them are able to make it back into formation some of them are just you know bloody messes on the ground I think it's an interesting point though that so like Total War Warhammer and Total War Warhammer 2 are very different than the rest of their catalog since the rest of the catalog is historical however they've been in pretty much the same 
game engine since the True. Empire, since Empire Total War. They were in the Total War Engine 3, which they've updated to 64-bit, but realistically, that's they've been in the same kind of like, same ecosystem of what they build with since um, what going on 10 years now. It's interesting that they can do the Warhammer kind of like outlandish stuff that is in Warhammer in the same engine that they do... St- standard napoleon yeah and it's remarkable that it actually does work pretty well and um yeah and most of the time you know i play the the battles in a fairly zoomed out version so that my camera can see most of my blocks of troops on on the screen at once or i'll zoom in to you know maybe like five units at once to make sure that that little fight's going right but if you're willing to take the time you can zoom all the way in to like individual individuals uh hacking it out and some of the animations are actually pretty fun to watch of, you know, individual troops whacking at each other and one of them falls down. Or, again, like with the dinosaurs of, like, people getting bit in half or whatever. Uh, and if you're playing the game kind of more on the tactical level where you're zoomed out a little bit and make sure in that, you know, this unit's flanking this unit and this unit's holding the line here and nobody's getting behind your, your artillery over here, you miss a lot of that stuff. But if you are willing to... Uh, trust that everybody's in the right place you can zoom in and watch some of these fights and uh it's not perfect but the engine does a pretty good job of making it kind of cinematic if you want it to be is that is there is there heroes in in the warhammer yeah there are are there heroes in other versions or is warhammer the only one with like hero characters other versions do have heroes yeah i think the entire time they've had like general units and so you know in rome it was you your general is represented by like 24 heavy heavy cavalry or something which actually do a great job at at flanking and attacking the enemy from the rear and and winning the battle but then it's basically a random number generator if some of those cavalry men start to die it's just random luck whether it's your general from from that unit that dies and so which is actually kind of funny like if you you can charge your general unit at a at a block of spearmen and maybe they they eventually win the fight and you know six of your your general's bodyguard rides away and your general's fine and he levels up and he does better on the campaign map and next fight he has more armor or, or attack stat or whatever or maybe just like when they charge the spearman he might just be the first one to die and it'll pop up your general has died and then like your whole army takes a morale hit it's more likely to run away and if you do eventually resolve the battle and end up back on the, the campaign map it'll just be like yeah your general will be dead and you're you know you need to send out a new family member to to lead that army or you need to promote some poor captain to to lead that army but especially in the recent games they have gotten more into heroes where your general is like one character is one you know sometimes just infantry sized unit running around and you know the the number of hit points that this character have will be very outlandish uh especially in in the warhammer version and you can just have yeah your your general in the front line the very front line just you know fighting three blocks of enemies and you can rely that he's probably going to be okay for a couple of minutes while you do some other stuff on the battlefield right and they incorporate like magic too and stuff they do yeah you can you know throw fireballs and you know 
call down rain of arcane fire from the skies and everything and some of that's pretty annoying actually like <laughs> if you if you have your army all nice and in a rain and all of a sudden just one of your units lights up and it goes from you know 80 men to like 13 and you're just like bodies everywhere you're like this that's not fun like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, you didn't even like let me see the the rocks flying from the trebuchets on the other side of the map you didn't give me a chance to dodge like <laughs> do you spend a lot of time customizing all of your armies as kind of like almost like painting except digitally as far as i know you can't do that so that oh, is that is sad. the major strike against this game. So the the old uh, Dawn of War game, at least Dawn of War One, was a Warhammer 40k game. But one of the things you could do was paint your units. Basically, it was like yeah. a real time strategy game. But there was a feature where you could go in and say, okay, my armor color is going to be this, my trim color is going to be this, and my secondary trim color is going to be this. And that would actually go and put those colors on those units in your game. And that was great. They should do that. They should then. That was a, a major miss. It would make it the perfect game if, yeah, <laughs> if that yeah. was an option. Yeah, that would be amazing. But no, they, the artists who you know made each of these factions, they picked their favorite colors for the factions and, and locked them in, and there you go. Oh, well. It's very sad. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I, I, we'll write to Creative Assembly. We'll, we'll tag them and yeah. we'll tell them that they need to... Uh... They need to change it for the next one. It is actually interesting that they decided to make three Warhammer games. So each game has more factions from the old uh, Warhammer fantasy universe in it. So, you know, first game left out the elves. It had orcs and dwarfs and chaos and stuff, but it left out the elves. And then the second game, they introduced the, the elves and the lizard people. And then the third game, I actually don't know exactly what factions they're releasing because they already have most of the factions in the game after the first, uh, you know, Warhammer one and mm. Warhammer 2 for Total War. But yeah, no, I, I was actually impressed by the audacity of saying we're going to release three games with this IP and they're actually doing it. And both 1 and 2 are very good games, especially 2. You know, one one thing about any like 4X game is that the late game can be pretty boring. Like the, the early game for, for Civilization or Galactic Civilizations 2, let's say, is a lot of fun of, of trying to get your foothold get some advantages over your neighbors and start winning some fights. Through the middle game, it can be challenging and fun. But once you get into late game, you're the biggest civilization. You have the best economy. You yeah, have the right, best, yeah. most leveled up armies. You know, the computer cheats a little bit and puts some high level armies out there for you to fight against. But you know you're going to win. There's there's a certain point once you're, you know, 100 turns in or whatever, and you've gone from one province to 50 provinces. Like, yeah, you're going to win, and there's going to be some fun along the way. And you'll have some vendettas again against uh Britonians or or whatever the Britons the those Spaniards are, are gonna come for you eventually with their their bull warriors yeah. but the the late game can get a bit boring but actually the the total war games have found decent ways to add like a fun twist to the late game so like Rome one like I said you start out as one of the three Roman families and then you you know you fight barbarians until all of a sudden the other Roman families turn on you and 
and so then you're fighting against you know the the rest of rome which is like kind of the the final challenge near the end of the game oh i like that that's fun yeah no it is and and um you know shogun 2 total war the the objective is to become the the shogun of japan and once you reach a certain size like once you've conquered 20 percent or 25 percent of of japan all of a sudden the rest of japan turns against you every other clan like unites against you and then there's you know objectives to uh, cement yourself as as the shogun after the rest of japan unites against you and uh some of the games do it it better than others kind of the dealing with this late game problem but um warhammer 2 total war had this uh, mechanic that was like a race mechanic so the three of the other top factions in the game are racing against you to complete uh, rituals and so you kind of at, at set points during the game you can say start a ritual and you need to complete like four rituals before the the other big factions complete those four rituals and the thing is once you hit start ritual the computer will send like five massive chaos armies against you and so it's a uh, kind of a fun way to keep the game challenging all the way until the end and it is it is a hard challenge like in in any of these uh, 4x games yeah late game can get kind of i mean you're you're winning you're winning you're winning and it's fun 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 and then all of a sudden it becomes boring to be winning so much because you just yeah i i won but i still have to conquer the rest of the world sort of thing with late game i think we've talked about total war a lot <laughs> give, give it a shot you know give it a shot yeah so there's there's definitely a lot of total war talk that was had i do have a question for you though um brent your first war game that you played was uh total war rome do you remember your first video game uh it might have been a game boy game i mean it might have, it might have been like tetris or something like that yeah that would have been pretty early on yeah no, no i mean I, I did have a, a birthday where i got the the original game boy um, oh sweet the nice. big brick model yep, the, <laughs> the the gray one the gray one and for a little while i played with the the game genie the the giant attachment that went on the top oh I don't know if yeah you remember that but yeah. there was like it was a large a attachment of it right like that's i remember my friend had it for the game boy and it had a little like little cabinet that you can open it has a little book inside with all the codes oh my yes it did yes it did it made the game boy like i mean not quite double in size but it like it added a lot of mass to the game boy it, yeah it slotted into the the game slot on the top but it it was also like an extra like two inches on the top of the the you know, yeah. game boy and then you put the game into the game genie on top and that configuration sucked batteries like nothing else so the <laughs> in order to put a cheat code to get to give yourself infinite lives on mario like you were at holding a very heavy object and consuming a lot of battery life. <laughs> it, was, it was worth it, though, if you got to get those infinite lives. Man, thinking back on that now, these were like small modifications to the game. It, in order to essentially play on a different difficulty setting, you needed like to massively upgrade your uh, your system there. I did want to mention briefly that my obsession with Napoleon stems from a war game, and that war game is Fields of Glory, which is a 1993 microprose game that was a, a Napoleon war game, and it is good. I don't know if it holds up graphically, but uh, you can play Battle of Waterloo, where you can play as Napoleon, and you can go up against Wellington, and all of a sudden, four million Prussians show up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whenever I played Waterloo, I would always... 
to take my troops and I would find Wellington and he'd be like hiding up on a hill and I'd send my like all my cavalry up along the side and they would just go to kill Wellington like that was my objective <laughs> was just <laughs> murder Wellington from the beginning and then just but then they just replace him with some other random British guy and but uh I do like that the, the the units in this game I'm looking at a screenshot they have to be like three pixels tall the I'm looking at like red coats and they are solid three colors black red white and that's it <laughs> yeah. like i'm looking at the same picture here but actually in, in some ways this is kind of beautiful like again it's the the background isn't detracting from anything it's just pale green in the background and then yeah, very very colorful armies of course that's that's one reason to like napoleonics too is because they just put on red jackets and, and marched around in the open it probably looks pretty sweet yeah yeah, yeah. It's how you could tell who's your enemy is who what color they were wearing this is one of those games though that when it was released it, uh, like i'm looking at the cover they just really just stole a renaissance paint <laughs> like not a renaissance painting but like a painting from that time period <laughs> we're like yeah this is free <laughs> just... zach do not speak ill of fields of glory <laughs> could actually like in the game you can station your troops into buildings as well and i learned about making infantry units squares to fight against cavalry units that's where i learned about that strategy was from fields of glory you have to bring your units into like a small little square together tightly packed square to fight cavalry but um, can't flank a square yeah so final question before we move into our byway pass your youtube channel is goobertown hobbies mm -hmm. where did goobertown hobbies come from and how did you become mayor <laughs> i mean a goober is, is kind of like a couple of definitions i mean funny peanut is is one definition but a, a goober i was always taught that a goober is like a kind of a nerd that looks at their shoes a lot like a like an like an affable nerd like a nerd but like not not in a bad way not 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 like an incel nerd but like a like kind of a nice nerd uh and it's kind of that crossed with like a little bit of like a keebler elf kind of thing <laughs> um so goober town is and in some ways it's almost like santa's village just uh just a bunch of like happy little dudes crafting gifts and stuff so i don't know i i just ended up using the word goober a lot with with my friends just be like uh see what seth was doing yeah what a goober like yeah I, just uh. but no I, I ended up using the word goober a lot and uh ended up making a channel name called called goober town hobbies so that's just where i where i put my painting videos I found out in the meantime that there's a, a goober town in Arkansas, and it's oh, uh, like a kind of a, a small township or unincorporated township or something like that. You know, as my YouTube channel has grown, I think it's kind of funny that the search engine optimization for anyone who lives in Goobertown, Arkansas, has just like gone to hell. Like, uh, like if you if you run the uh, the one stop party shop in Goobertown, Arkansas, and you're like trying to get people to to make the drive from neighboring towns, and you're just your Google search results just keep going lower and lower and lower. Anytime someone searches Goobertown, like my idiot face on a thumbnail for a video pops up like in some ways it's mean but in some ways it's pretty funny <laughs> somebody just wants to put out their trash and just looks <laughs> just can't get to the town website because it's just all your videos so i mean my my channel's uh i don't know recently turned like three years 
old, but l- luckily it does keep growing at a, at a steady pace here. So I, I got to think the people who live in Goober Sound, Arkansas are just like, their search results are just getting messed up and messed up and messed up. And if I'm ever within a, you know, four or five hour drive of Goober Town, Arkansas, I'll make the pilgrimage, get the, get the Instagram photo in, in front of the town sign, in front of the town hall, you know, like in front of the supermarket, the gas station, yeah. So we're going to come to the end of our show where we just talk about games that are coming out that we are excited about by waiting or passing. For those who are listening to the show regularly, we did change our format for this, but because we have a guest on, we're not going to subject the guest to random games that we decided to pull out of a hat. So instead, we we went back to our old format where we just individually picked our games that we were excited about by waiting or passing on. So Brent, as the guest in this a time-honored tradition on this podcast, podcast uh you can go first in what game are you excited about buying waiting or passing on okay uh i literally could not think of a game outside of the total war series that i'm excited about in the near future i i don't i don't play enough to to really be abreast of everything that's going out and that's okay it saves me money it saves me money but total war warhammer 3 that is an instant buy for me uh so i'll get that on release and uh, i have not gotten the uh total war three kingdoms yet so that's kind of the dynasty warriors version of total war or, or you know the the ancient china slash mythology of ancient china total war game and so that's one i'm waiting for that to hit 20 dollars on steam sale now we were talking about the fall steam sale the autumn steam sale it was at 35 dollars. probably not going to hit 20 during the winter sale but hey maybe maybe summer sale 2022 look at that you gotta buy and wait there we go Zach, what are you uh, excited to buy, wait, or pass on? Yeah, so the game that I'm excited about buy, waiting, or passing on is Beyond the Edge of Owlsguard, which is being developed by a company called Watch the Toast, and it's uh, due out in June of next year. It's set in a world that's about to be annihilated by machines, and you must save it. Um, it's inspired by like 1990s point and click games from what it looks like, especially those of the microprose style of point and click games, as well as the uh, LucasArts style of point and click games. But it does kind of give me a vibe of like Dragon Sphere, Return of the Phantom, but it has anthropomorphic animals in it because it's also inspired by classic animated movies of the like Disney variety. So it's uh, all about talking animals, uh, trying to save the world from machines. Um, I'll probably put it down as a buy. Um, I've been wanting to play more adventure games and I'd be willing to give this one a shot. I like the idea of it. and I like the, uh, the art style that they're going for. So uh, yeah, that's uh Beyond the Edge of Owlsguard, due out in June of 2022. Awesome. What about you, Seth? I'm excited about a game uh, that's coming out on December 6th. It is This is the President, which is being developed by Super PAC, which is, I think is a fun name for a developer who's building a political thriller. So you play as the President of the United States, and you are also trying to escape from your previous crimes while being president uh so you need to essentially manipulate and abuse the position of being president so that you can profit i personally uh, as someone who um, as was a political scientist in college and really appreciate political thriller type games and enjoy those type of uh, political choice grand strategy games like uh, democracy or uh suzerain i think is there's one but suzerain 
is a like you were like leading like a dystopic type of like you're like a despot of like a second world country this is the president you get to be a despot of a first world country which is i'm excited about so i'm gonna put this down as a buy since i like these type of games and tend to play them so with that um we once again would like to thank brent for being on the show yeah um, absolutely we really appreciate it i've always really enjoyed your youtube content uh personally i was sad when it because you went you went quiet for a little while, right? I had a couple then, of months where I wasn't putting out videos. I uh, I forgot to publish for a couple of months. I was just kind of kind of working in the background. Uh. <laughs> but I I think it was like the unboxing, and I was like, man, I haven't seen bread stuff in a while. I'm like, I'm so excited that it's. I'm like, this is great. I personally, my favorite series of yours is your um random dice rolling for determining theme. Ah, Goobertown Roulette. Pick a yeah, paint Goobertown a random Roulette. mini and a random paint scheme. Yeah. Oh, it's my favorite series. Uh, I don't think you ever get the combination that I want to see painted. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> but, Someday. But I it's, I just got to keep watching. <laughs> That's right. Well, no, I, I love the love the podcast, guys. Thanks for having me on. We, we had a good talk here, didn't we? It was great to have you on. So for those who are listening, go find Brent on YouTube at Goobertown Hobbies. Uh, you can also find find him in his podcast paint bravely the podcast or if you like D, we've got a, a campaign going on the 20-sided realms podcast check all that out give him uh, a subscribe listen follow watches Zach, do you want to, to wrap for us? If you need to get in touch with us, you can email us at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. Also check out our website, classicgamingbrothers.com. You can contact us also through our social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Facebook and Instagram, Classic Gaming Brothers. Twitter is CG Brothers Pod. And uh, if you uh, want to support us, as always, uh, give us a like, give us a follow, share the podcast, let people know, ring bells, do all those things, and uh, we'll be happy to hear from you uh seth am i forgetting anything don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother don't play games like my brothers i've been seth and i've been zach and i've been brent and we've been the classic gaming brothers and, and brent, brent. <laughs> and that's right. right all right so now we begin the real podcast we where talk we talk about celebrity death match <laughs>